rain. I am happy to report that where I live, we're finally getting some rain after a long, dry, and often smoky summer. It wasn't torrential, as has been reported in many places recently, but rather a soft, gentle sprinkling, the kind that brings refreshment to everything. And in many parts of British Columbia, it has offered some welcome relief for those fighting wildfires. And it came in just as the Maya calendar energies were switching over to the Muluk Trisina, where we are now, and Muluk is all about water. We'll look into this further after I welcome you to episode 38 of Navigating the Energies of Life, a podcast that looks at how the energies of the Maya calendar are at work in the world and how they apply to daily lives. This is Marguerite Paquin continuing with this podcast to accompany my horoscope blog that tracks the days of this calendar. As always, we're working here with a calendrical system that has at its core 20 solar-based energies working in tandem with 13 unique numerical powers to create a cycle of 260 days that involves the interconnecting of these energies to create a count of days, referred to in Yucatec Maya as a Zolkan. Within this 260-day cycle, there are 20 tricinas, or groups of 13 days, each of which has a particular theme or a special set of energies that flow through. As I just mentioned, we're now in the Muluk, or water, tricina, which began on Wednesday, August 25th. As always, when we reach this point in the 260-day cycle, there are often some abrupt switchovers, abrupt changes in direction that can be quite attention-getting. This ties in with the fact that the beginning of this tricina marks an important 52-day shift point within the 260-day cycle, the start of the final 52 days before we come to the completion of the current 260-day cycle. I'm going to do something a little different this time because there have been some critical developments. So I'm going to present uh, a bit of a wider view this time. As always, the specific days associated with this tricina are listed in my horoscope blog at whitepoppress.ca. So first, let's look at the pandemic. And of course, in my horoscope blog related to this period, I did note some of the key events that have happened in the past related to this tricina with regard to this. But this is the third time that we're going through this period with the pandemic being full on. So it's worth stepping back and looking at this through a wider lens. Two cycles ago, which is the end of March to early April of last year, there was a major battle raging in the U.S. with the lunatic president pushing to open businesses in that country at the same time as the death toll from COVID was rapidly rising and dozens of other countries were going into lockdown. In the UK, Boris Johnson ordered the police to enforce new stringent measures against the coronavirus as he ordered a nationwide lockdown that banned gatherings of more than two people. Strict limits were imposed on exercise, and all non-essential shops were ordered to close immediately, as well as playgrounds, libraries, museums, everything. 
police were authorized to impose fines in order to enforce the lockdown. Shortly thereafter, he tested positive for the virus himself. On the very first day of this water-oriented Tresina, at that time, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres appealed for an immediate global ceasefire, as he called for an end to all armed conflicts, so that the world could instead focus on fighting the coronavirus. He emphasized that an immediate ceasefire was, quote, crucial to help create corridors for life-saving aids, to open precious windows for diplomacy, to bring hope to places among the most vulnerable to COVID-19, unquote. But of course, that did not happen. In the U.S., things were in chaos. The Washington Post ran a headline that read, Scramble for medical equipment descends into chaos as U.S. states and hospitals compete for rare supplies. Some supplies sent from federal stockpiles included old and expired equipment. To his credit, the U.S. Surgeon General strongly urged everyone to stay at home. But despite this call, and despite state doctors and health agencies urging the same, many governors were doing nothing. Some did jump into action and impose restrictions, but many did nothing. Louisiana was hit hard, and they had to declare a disaster there, since they had recently celebrated Mardi Gras and the COVID numbers were soaring. In Canada, Justin Trudeau invoked the Quarantine Act, requiring all travelers returning from abroad by any means to go directly home and stay there for 14 days. No stopping at the store on the way, no going out for walks, no shopping, no visitors. Heavy fines were to be imposed on violations. It wasn't long before the U.S. surpassed all other countries in terms of the number of COVID-19 cases, reaching over 100,000 cases by the fifth day of this time frame, with over 40,000 cases in New York alone, which was the epicenter of the outbreak at that time. In the U.S., there were over a thousand confirmed deaths from COVID. By this time, the global number reached 590,000 cases, and the global death toll had passed 20,000. It was not a good start. That fifth day was seen by some as the day the music died, as New Orleans was declared a new hotspot, as the number of COVID-19 cases surpassed the death toll from Hurricane Katrina. That was the day when UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres sounded the alarm about a growing surge of misinformation about the disease, as he emphasized the need to urgently promote facts and science and promote hope and solidarity over despair and division. He announced at that time that the U.S. was launching a COVID-19 Communications for Solidarity initiative to rapidly inform people about facts and science and promote and inspire acts of humanity 
around the world. And he again urged countries to silence the guns and instead help create corridors for life-saving aid. Before the Tresina was over, Secretary General Gutierrez said that the COVID-19 outbreak was the biggest challenge for the world since World War II and could bring a recession that probably has no parallel in the recent past. By the end of the Tresina, which was now into early April of last year, the managing director of the International Monetary Fund said that the pandemic had brought the global economy to a standstill and plunged the world into a recession that could be way worse than the global financial crisis of a decade earlier. She called it humanity's darkest hour, as she called on advanced economies to step up and help emerging markets and developing countries to survive the economic and health impact of the crisis, which she said was like no other. As she put it, quote, we have witnessed the world economy coming to a standstill, unquote. By the last day of the Tresina, at that time, the global number of cases was over 1.2 million, and the U.S. total had climbed to over 310,000. Now, in retrospect, those numbers look small, unfortunately. But looking back, we can see how incredibly quickly this escalated at that time. This is like a tsunami that rushed through this time frame and caught everyone off guard. Suddenly, the world had changed. And not only was everyone scrambling to adapt, but some of the ideas being put forward for how to deal with it were downright bizarre, such as the use of hydroxychloroquine, an anti-malaria drug that had not been approved for treating COVID-19. So, how does all this tie in with the energies of this, Tresina? And what does this mean right now? For clues to this, we can look to the nature of water, symbolic of the first day of this time frame, an energy that gives us a heads up as to what is to follow. It's also the energy that works with the other days as we travel through this period. Water, as we all know, is complex. It can be incredibly gentle and healing. And there was evidence of that two cycles ago when people noticed the normally cloudy waters in the canals of Venice turning crystal clear with everybody in their own houses and not out there and fish were swimming in those waters. But water can also be very forceful and turbulent and can very, very quickly bring massive change, which is what happened at that time. And it can change its nature quite quickly. It can become massively destructive but also mercifully purifying and healing. It can even be electrifying. In the horoscope post, there is an image of the traditional patron associated with this period, a deity known as Tolin, the jade or jeweled turkey, a symbol of magic, abundance, ultimate authority, and even sorcery. 
This is a variant of a complex deity that has been associated with darkness, disease, and even the plague, a deity that can take many forms. But in his guise as a jeweled turkey, as an overseer of this time frame, he was seen as having the power to cleanse and even to eradicate pestilence. The great watery feathered serpent was seen as providing support for him during this period. So this creates a kind of generative fire water type of force representative of the original creation forces that sparked life. It's this generative aspect that sometimes aligns with this Tracina, that goes with the idea of opening it up, things up to new and exciting possibilities. Now, looking back to two cycles ago, things were crazy, as we can see, and moving so quickly that it was completely chaotic, like a tsunami. But one cycle after that, which brings us to early December, of last year, the last time this Dracaena was in place, things changed once again, and suddenly hope was in sight. The very first day of this Dracaena, one Muluk, was V-Day in the UK, the start of the biggest ever vaccination program, which Boris Johnson called a tremendous shot in the arm for the entire nation, and for the entire world. That was the day when 90-year-old Margaret Keenan, who turned 91 the following week, also during this Tresina, became the first person to receive the Pfizer vaccine, calling it an early birthday present. This was the first of 800,000 doses to be dispensed in the first round. The health secretary said at the time that this day marked the start of the fight back against the coronavirus. And Joe Biden, who by then was the president-elect in the U.S., pledged to distribute 100 million vaccine shots in the first 100 days of his presidency. So this was a greatly needed switch. Greatly needed because at that time, the global number of cases had reached over 69 million and the death toll in the U.S. was over 290,000. In fact, by the second day of the Tresina at that time, the U.S. recorded a record high of 3,260 deaths, the highest single-day toll since the pandemic began. But all through the Tresina at that time, vaccine programs in various countries really got going. By the middle of the Tresina, shots were going into arms in both Canada and the U.S., and the fight was on to turn the tide. Unfortunately, another whirlpool was developing in the U.K. in the form of the emergence of the Delta variant, and it was rapidly spinning out of control. By the end of the Tresina, the Moderna vaccine had also been approved for emergency use, so that was added to the fight-back arsenal. By then, over a dozen countries had registered more than a million cases each, with the U.S. well over 18 million. More and more countries were increasing restrictions on travel to and from the UK to try to stop the spread of that new variant. But unfortunately, those efforts did not work. 
So here we are now with the Delta variant having become the dominant strain worldwide as of mid-July. And as we're now into a surging fourth wave, we're now seeing a whole new round of restrictions click in as countries work out how to deal with this new tidal wave of cases. With almost 220 million cases registered globally, and the U.S. alone closing in on 40 million cases, it remains to be seen when the tide will turn again. However, with the Pfizer vaccine now having full FDA approval, as of a few days ago, meaning that it is now fully licensed and not just emergency use status, there is speculation that this could help increase the chances of more people receiving the vaccine in the U.S. What is happening for sure is that the vaccine is now being mandated for use in many locations, such as for public school teachers and staff in New York and for the U.S. military. Proof of vaccination is now in the process of being implemented in many countries as another way to deal with this. It's yet another step forward in this battle, coinciding with this important shift point within the count of days cycle. Now, as a side note, which we could file under the heading of silly symphonies if it wasn't so bizarre and sad, is the fact that now, two cycles after the hydroxychloroquine nonsense, we see all sorts of warnings going out, advising people not to take something called ivermectin, some kind of deworming treatment for animals such as horses and cows that apparently tens of thousands of people have been supposedly taking to treat COVID in the U.S. since someone somewhere told them to do so, even though it has the potential to make people severely ill. Apparently, poison control centers in several southern states have had huge increases in calls to poison control centers as a result of people purchasing this stuff at feed stores and taking it themselves. This is an extremely murky development that has yet to be sorted out. We have yet to see where all of this is going to go this time through. Let's call it a murky side eddy and hope that it doesn't spill over too far. On a completely different topic, but critical to where we all are, is the huge shift that has taken place in Washington, D.C. Looking back to last December, we can see two streams, so to speak, one of which was bringing hope and one of which was also working hard to remain murky and muddy. In terms of the one bringing hope, the first day of this Tresina brought a collective sigh of relief that was palpable, as that was the safe harbor deadline with regard to settling contests over electors and electoral votes in the U.S., a date set by federal law after which conclusions regarding election results became official and could not be tampered with. People worldwide were breathing a huge sigh of relief as that day came in, and people looked forward to Joe Biden becoming president. By the end of the Trisina, there was more good news as the U.S. Senate 
managed to hammer out the final details of an agreement on the new pandemic relief bill that would provide $900 billion in funding to help Americans who are on the brink of financial disaster. As he was preparing to take office, Joe Biden unveiled his climate and energy team, vowing to make dealing with climate change a top priority for his new administration. But while these things were happening, the waters of democracy were also being deeply muddied by covert machinations oriented around an overall attempt to overturn the results of the 2020 election, including through violence-oriented mega-rallies. We now know where all that was heading, shortly thereafter, which I'll get into in the context of the next two Tresinas, but during this Tresina, a lot of what was going on was covert, like a dark undercurrent that could be felt, but not really seen. What could be seen were the machinations of a number of sleazy lawyers trying to use the courts for these purposes, and people like Giuliani making fools of themselves. But now, again on one Muluk, the first day of this Dracina, which was last Wednesday, the tide again turned. This was the day when U.S. District Judge Linda Parker ruled that the nine attorneys aligned with the dumpster who had filed an unsuccessful lawsuit challenging Michigan's 2020 presidential election results to try to overturn those results that showed Joe Biden winning by more than 150,000 votes, those lawyers will have to pay financial penalties related to those bizarre actions and will face other punitive actions relating to their profound abuse, as she put it, profound abuse of the legal system. Judge Parker's ruling was scathing and stunning as she pointed out that what those lawyers had attempted to do, quote, represents a historic and profound abuse of the judicial process, unquote. She wrote that, quote, it is one thing to take on the charge of vindicating rights associated with an allegedly fraudulent election, but it's another thing to take on the charge of deceiving a federal court and the American people into believing that rights were infringed without regard to whether any laws or rights were in fact violated, unquote. As she said, this is what that group had tried to do. As she put it, this case was never about fraud. It was about undermining the people's faith in our democracy and debasing the judicial process to do so. As Judge Parker was asked by the state of Michigan and the city of Detroit to sanction these nine attorneys, she not only ordered them to pay costs incurred by the state and the city to defend against the legal action, but she also ordered them to receive 12 hours of legal education and noted that they could face further action, such as being disbarred in the individual states in which they practice. After Judge Parker did this, a lawyer for the city of Detroit commented that this decision sends a message to attorneys all across the country that the rules matter 
and the truth matters. And there are consequences for bad behavior. He said that in his 43 years of practice, he had never seen a group of attorneys sanctioned so severely, but also had never seen a group of attorneys who deserved to be sanctioned as much as these lawyers deserved it. So then, on that same day, we learned that the select committee investigating the deadly January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol issued a sweeping request for all records pertaining to that event from the National Archives and from other key governmental organizations such as the Departments of Defense, Homeland Security, Interior and Justice, from the FBI, from the National Counterterrorism Center, from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, as well as phone records from members of Congress and from allies and family members related to the dumpster. They've also requested information from something like 15 social media companies related to this. Basically, they're seeking to learn everything they can about what all those machinations were leading up to January 6th and who was involved, who was talking to who and for how long. A huge process of connecting the dots. The chairman of the committee stated flat out that their mission is to bring to justice whoever was involved in that attempt to subvert the democratic process and to put in place a set of countermeasures to ensure that this kind of thing never happens again. So, we're now seeing actions being taken towards holding people responsible for the horrors that were inflicted upon the U.S. and the world through the last administration. We don't know how long this will take, but it's a promising start, and it represents a major turn of the tide. Another big thing that will be a focus of attention during this Tresina is the voting rights issue in the U.S. On Saturday, today, as I record this, which is Maya calendar date for Ebb, associated with the defining of animating vitality, always an important and generally very positive energy. March on events will be taking place across the U.S., marking the 58th Gregorian anniversary of the day when Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. led 250,000 people on that historic March on Washington when he delivered his iconic I Have a Dream speech. Since 48 U.S. states have introduced 389 bills to restrict voting access recently, this is a critical issue in the U.S. And on this day, Martin Luther King Jr., the third, will help to lead Americans on marches to demand federal voting rights protections. Another big battle, but one that has to be won. What likely no one will be aware of, unless you happen to be paying attention to this calendar, is that the following day, which is 5 Ben, oriented around personal authority and self-determination. That 
is a Maya calendar anniversary of the energy that was in place at the time of Martin Luther King's funeral in 1968. So, no doubt, his spirit will be strong at this time. Keep an eye on this, as this is an important day. Now, often, in order to decode what's happening in terms of this calendar, you have to look at the symbolic metaphors. And that can be a bit challenging at times, particularly for those unfamiliar with the various levels of meaning. But sometimes the connections are very clear to see, and it doesn't take much to see the significance. We have a situation like that developing right now in the Gulf of Mexico with the approach of Tropical Storm Ida, which is probably a hurricane by now, which is headed towards Louisiana. In fact, heading specifically towards New Orleans. And it is due to make landfall tomorrow on Sunday, which is the 16th Gregorian anniversary of Hurricane Katrina's stormy visit in 2005. But when we look at this from the perspective of the Maya calendar, things are even more intriguing. First, I need to explain something fundamental to what's happening here. As you know, there are 20 basic days that cycle with the 13 numbers. But what I haven't spent much time on in terms of the blog or podcast is the idea of partner energies, sets of day signs that reflect each other in different ways and tend to work in parallel positions. But this is what we have here. If we look back to 2005 with Hurricane Katrina, we can see that it made landfall in Louisiana on Maya Day 11 Muluk. This is change related to water, which was the 11th day of the Kawak or storm Tresina. Now, currently, it is looking like Ida will likely make landfall tomorrow on that 16th Gregorian anniversary of the day when Hurricane Katrina made landfall on the Louisiana coast, triggering severe flooding that brought devastation from New Orleans to Biloxi, Mississippi. If it does make landfall tomorrow, that will be Maya Day 5 Ben, relating to self-determination. That will be just shy of 11 Kawak, which is change related to storm, which is the 11th day of this Muluk, or water, Tresina. And whether or not it hits exactly on 11 Kawak, it is looking like this storm will be strong enough to bring heavy rains and perhaps flooding to that same region. So what's happening here is an interplay going on with the two partner energies, Muluk and Kawak, energies that are 10 positions away from each other within the cycle of days, but which can function in parallel ways. Let's look at this just a little more closely. In 2005, Katrina was threatening by the fifth day of the storm, Tresina. But it was slow moving, so it didn't hit until 11 Muluk, aka water, in the storm, Tresina. And now it looks like Hurricane Ida 
could hit on the fifth day of this Muluk Tricino. But it's looking like a strong system, maybe even up to category four. So it could still be greatly impacting the area by the time we get to 11 Kawak, also known as Storm in the Water Tricino. Short form, because I know this is a bit confusing. Short form. In 2005, it was change-connected water in the storm Tresina, and now it would be change-connected storm in the water Tresina. So you can see the two parallels. In addition, the same Maya month is in place as was in place then. In 2005, Katrina hit on the seventh day of the Maya month known as Mal. Now it looks like this will be the 17th day of this same month of Mal, a Maya month associated with water and connected to jade. A note that I was speaking before about jade being connected with the patron energy associated with this time period. So we have a heavy, very heavy emphasis on water here with the storm energy also factoring in. It's as if this situation is also emphasizing that idea of something turning, almost like water creating a vortex that's swirling things around. It could be a very dicey situation for the folks in that region. We certainly don't want to see them go through that kind of devastation again, so fingers crossed that hopefully somehow they will be spared. In any case, this is something to keep an eye on. Also, regarding that fifth day, which is Sunday, that will mark two cycles exactly. Since that day, that was seen, as I mentioned earlier, the day the music died in 2020, as New Orleans was declared a new hotspot when the number of COVID-19 cases surpassed the death toll from Hurricane Katrina. So in this case, the energy return is really, really problematic for New Orleans. A very, very sad situation for an area so rich in history and normally so full of fun and life and now so battered from attacks on so many fronts. Turning to Canada and long-term attacks, I noted in the horoscope blog that the first day of this Tresina, eight cycles ago, which was in December of 2015, that first day brought the release of the final report of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, at which time Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced that Canada will work with leaders of First Nations, the Métis Nation, Inuit provinces and territories, and other key parties to develop and implement a national reconciliation framework informed by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's recommendations with regard to addressing the abuses suffered by those who were forced to attend Indian residential schools in Canada over decades and to address the legacy of those abuses. Much has happened since then but much more still needs to be done in this regard. I want to tell you a small story about an event that happened four cycles before this. Again, in this Tresina, 
excitement. It was the kind of event that led to action finally being taken with regard to these kinds of reconciliation efforts. This is a story about an action led by a maker of monsters, or so he was called because of his amazing ability to make magical masks that were used in Kwakwakawak ceremonies in Alert Bay, a First Nations village on the coast of BC. This maker of monsters was Bo Dick, a renowned artist whose work has been featured in exhibitions around the world and who was the recipient of many awards. Bo was also a hereditary chief, an activist, and a kind of mischievous shaman who could mesmerize with his stories. He was described as a man of infinite generosity and tremendous spirit, a natural leader. In an effort to get the attention of government to get real action and communication going with the provincial government and federal government with regard to both environmental issues and issues related to what was seen as cultural genocide against First Nations peoples in Canada, Bo, accompanied by family members and supporters, embarked on a long journey from Katsino on northern Vancouver Island to Victoria on the southern tip, a distance of almost 390 kilometers, over 240 miles. This was a journey by foot, and his mission was to perform a traditional Kwakawak copper-breaking ceremony of a type that had not been performed for decades, and to hold it on the legislature lawn as a symbolic action to shame the government. A copper, a metal plaque, traditionally used to measure the status, wealth, and power of Kwakwakawak chiefs, is a symbol of justice, truth, and balance. And to break one is a threat, a challenge, and can be an insult, he said. If you break copper on someone and shame them, there should be an apology. He was under no illusions that there would be any immediate action on the part of the federal government as a result of the ceremony, but he hoped it would get people thinking and start the process of communication. That ceremony was held on the third day of this Tresina, exactly 12 cycles ago as of yesterday as I speak, and it did did get people's attention. In fact, the following year, he performed another copper-breaking ceremony, this time in Ottawa. Truth and reconciliation hearings were underway by then and had been for a while. But Bo wanted to make a strong statement, and he did. As usual, there is so much more that could be said about this Tresina, and much is in the works as we journey through this lively period. I haven't even spoken about the intense withdrawal from Afghanistan, which carries on until Tuesday. This is an intense time in that regard. Although I can only provide very small glimpses of the nature of these energies in the context of a podcast, that listing of all the days, as always, can be found in my My Account of Days horoscope blog that can be found at whitepoppress.ca and also mayacalendararts.com. 
As much as I tend to focus on events in the context of the podcast, different events happening in the world, and I occasionally highlight contributions of particular people, going into deeper depth is really only possible when I work on a one-to-one basis with people, where it's possible to review such things as life paths, key events, relationships, and such as these energies apply to individual lives. So for anyone who might want me to help them explore this kind of thing, feel free to contact me and we can work something out. Kind of a personal approach to this. It's very flexible. It can be done on either a small scale or a large scale, depending on your interests. Feel free, if you wish, to contact me if you have any questions. Contact information is in the websites, as well as information on subscribing to the Horoscope blog. I want to finish with um, well, maybe not so small observation about water from a book called The Holy Order of Water by William Marks. He looks at water in a multitude of ways in this book, and in one section where he's talking about pesticides, he says, Water itself cannot be killed or injured or destroyed by toxic chemicals. It will continue to exist, as it always has since long before humankind came into being, no matter what we do to it. However, the life that water supports may be altered or destroyed by the chemicals finding their way into water and therefore eventually endanger the human race. The reality of water is that over time, even if it takes thousands or millions of years, polluted water will always purify itself. In this fashion, the renewed and purified water may once again play host to creating life and fostering its evolution. Because of this, it is important that we try and learn as much as we can from water, for it holds the key to our survival. As we go through this time frame, we have another good opportunity to connect with water in various ways and to learn from what it may be trying to teach us. And as a species, it seems we still have so much to learn. Wishing you happy connections with water during this Muluk period. Stay safe. Love to you all.